and get started here this morning. And uh, as we really kind of draw to a conclusion, uh, the, the subject that we've spent the last eight or nine or ten weeks looking at, there's a real big fly flying around in the room. I'll buy you lunch if you can get it, okay? <laughs> All right. But I'm choosing where we eat lunch, okay? All right. Romans chapter number 12, we'll get started there. Romans chapter number 12, we're going to bring really kind of a little ending to our study here in Paul's love languages uh, as we uh, begin this issue of really walking toward one another. And we didn't look at all of them, and I understand that there's places where Paul will talk about, you know, one anothering, but he'll say to another and different things, and we can look at those in the future as we come. I just, uh, with every with Easter coming and stuff, we'll talk about some other things the next couple weeks and uh, another direction I'd like to go with. But I do want to talk one more time here with you about the issue of comfort and edifying one another. And in doing that, Romans 12, verse number 1 and 2 has been our departure place. It's been where we've launched from in the fact that it said, he, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so we, we're talking about, here's our body, okay, and here's our, uh, our makeup, and we are to present this body, this physical vehicle, this ailment here that we have that carries around us, that is dead to sin, but alive unto God. And as he's come through all the identification things and so forth, he says, hey, I want you to take this body and I want you to use it as a living sacrifice. I want you to, have, I want you to use you to accomplish a reasonable service, not an unreasonable, not something. He doesn't say you got to go and win the world for Jesus. Religion says that. He doesn't say, hey, you, you got to do this or that. He just says, in you, where you live, in your relationships, in your sphere of influence, we all have that. We all have realms of influence. And, and, and he gets into it, really, and, and as far as your, your marriage and in your family and in your work life. That's really where you have your influence. You know, you think about what's on the planet, three-something billion people or something. You're really just a grasshopper on it. You're a little thing when you, in the mass. But when you think about in Scripture, reasonable, so we begin to kind of lay out the issue here of your spirit, okay, your soul, and your body, the three components of you, the three that, things that make up man. Here they are. Your soul is the real you. It's how you think. It's how you speak. In your spirit, you have a mind, you have thinking, vocabulary. You, there you are. Here's where your heart is. Here's which is your will. Your will controls in your heart, control your emotions. And then you have a conscience. And I'm running out of room already. Okay? You're, you reach up and you get information out of the ether out here. We'll put human viewpoint on this side. We'll put God's word on this side. And as you take in human viewpoint or God's word, by the way, which one should you be taking in the most of? God's word, rightly divided, sound doctrine. And as you put that into your mind, 
into your thinking, into your vocabulary, as you begin to move that into it, verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How am I not conformed to this world? By what? By intake of God's word, by renewing my mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So in every avenue of life, when things present themselves, how am I to do this? How am I to think about this? So you go to God's word. By the way, you do go to human viewpoint as well. The great influences on your life is, the again, your realm of influence, where you're at, who, who you listen to, who you pay attention to. If you listen to certain groups of, of information I'm talking about, okay, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle politically you're on. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle socially you're on. None of that. But whoever you listen to influences you, okay? The great illustration of this, I'll be honest with you, was this past week when Ukraine went and bombed Russia, they say, okay? And then the Russians are like, what happened? Why is this? What's going? They're attacking us. Why? Because propaganda has told them that everything's going hunky-dory and fine and, you know, there's no, nothing bad going on, right? Well, how, do, how is that happening? In that realm of influence, what is the Russian government able to do? Hamper information, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever you decide to get your info from, your mind's going to think on it, dwell on it. Your heart says, I'm going to do that. Your will says, okay, I'm on board. I'm going to do that. These two talk to the emotions. You see the word motion in that. Okay, body, now it's time to go into motion, and you go. Emotions are dumb. They are stupid. Oh, big, I'm not supposed to use the S word. They are dumb, okay, because what are they? They swing back and forth and up and down. And you get on the emotional roller coaster of life, and God says, no, you're to have an even keel life. The emotion, your conscience comes up, excusing or accusing. Your conscience comes up and says, okay, what you're doing is matching the will, matching the heart, matching the word of God, or matching whatever you decided you're doing. That's how you're designed to work, okay? Now, that's 15 hours of study in, in 10 minutes. Five minutes, all right? So what we've been looking at has been the love, lang the language of Paul where he talks about the, <laughs> he's going to get, oh, he missed it. That close. Okay. We're working on it. That close. All right. Now we're going to get, now I'll get emails. What was he doing? That, yeah, right? That's okay. Pound in the pulpit. Here he comes. He's coming your way. So what we've been looking at was we started with the issue of esteem. Then we looked at the issue of charity, really godliness. Then we looked at the issue of loving one another, the issue of brotherly love, the issue of not only having a warm, affectionate feeling for others, but having it from the viewpoint that God would have us to have it from, which is that valuing and esteeming one another. Then we looked at the issue of judge, judging and admonishing one another, that there are times when you have to sit there and have a difficult conversation. Then we looked last time at the issue of forbear, 
and forgiving one another. And the issue of forgiveness is really critical in our lives because if we don't have forgiveness, if we don't understand forgiveness, don't hit the guy in front of you, okay, when you're swatting at that fly, all right? (laughs) When you have the issue of forgiveness and forbearing one another, which we talked about last time, you have that from an understanding of who you are in Christ and an understanding of who they are in Christ, okay? Critical. You think about your wife, your, your, your spouse, your marriage. You think about your family. Forgiveness has to be a component there. One, as a parent, you're teaching your children how to do it. But two, then I have to have it also in my relationships as well. This morning, we're going to talk about comfort one another with these words and the issue of edifying. As we come to God's word and we put and we make decisions, this information is to where we're going to make our decisions from. The sound doctrine. And that's critically important here. Come over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, and then chapter 5 and verse 11, and we'll look at our two verses that we're going to look at this morning, and we'll move away quickly to them. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So I want to think about these two verses. And we're going to do it in the context, really, of 1 Thessalonians, which isn't within the local assembly. But we're going to talk about you and I first and how we develop this in our own thinking and then hopefully tie it into the local assembly if we have the time at the end, okay? Because when you think about where we're at, wherefore, comfort one another with what? These words. Hold on to here. Run back with me to Romans 15. Romans 15. You have the, today's reference there. You see where we're going. We're going to go quickly if we can because there's quite a bit to kind of get under. Uh, Look at Romans 15 and look at verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. By the way, notice it doesn't say our obedience. It says our learning. That means that Old Testament, the things that were written aforetime, you're to know them. doesn't mean you go out and live by them. You know them. You understand them. That, through, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So the Scriptures, where am I getting my comfort? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm getting it from the Scriptures. The only, thing, the only standard that is outside of you, no matter what you do, that book never changes. The Scriptures never change. Whether you're doing right or whether you're doing wrong, the Scripture is the same. Because the Scripture is revealing someone. and It's revealing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's revealing God the Father. It's revealing God the Son. It's revealing God the Holy Spirit. And the subject matter of Scripture, where our comfort is, where our hope is, isn't you, it isn't what you're doing, it has nothing to do with you, it has everything to do with him and centers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are in trouble and you have times of that that come, where do I go for my comfort? 
Reader's Digest, Encyclopedia Britannica. I'm dating myself, aren't I? World Book. Yeah, World Book. Yeah, remember that one? Okay, yeah. Google. My doctor told me, he said, stay off of Google MD, would you? I'm like, okay. You know? Where, where do we go? We go to Scripture. Because in Scripture, what do we learn? We learn where, to, where our comfort lies. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We, learn, we begin to learn where things are going to be applied directly to you and I in the age of grace, to Gentiles. Romans 11 verse 13, Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. 1 Timothy 1, he says, I am the pattern for those who hereafter believe. He's the, my pattern. He's my apostle. So when you talk about comfort, where am I going to go? I'm not going to go to Deuteronomy. Okay? I'm not going to go to the book of Psalms. I know that's really hard for some of you, but Psalms has nothing to do with your comfort. I'm not even going to Proverbs. Uh-oh, that's heresy now. String him up. No, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Paul. In Romans to Philemon. Why? Look at 2 Corinthians 1. Look at what he says. Verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all what? Comfort. If I'm looking for comfort, where am I going? How about the God of all comfort? See? Now keep reading. Who comforted us in all our tribulation. I love that. In all of it. Not just when it's really bad. But it's all of it. It's at every moment. It's when you get up in the morning and your throat's just a little scratchy before the sickness, you, you know it's coming. Or just when you have that one sneeze and you go, doggone it, you know, you just, you know. There's comfort there that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How? How are we able to help others? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, that's, that's a loaded verse, by the way. We could spend hours talking about that. But how does God comfort you? Think about this. What is the penalty for sin? For the wages of sin is death. Right? Death. If you're a sinner, you're going to die. And you're going to spend eternity in a wonderful place called the lake of hell. The lake of fire. Hell. Okay? I don't think it's wonderful either, but that's what they say. Hey, me and my friends, we're going to take it, and we're going to storm it, and we're going to win it. And Satan says, thank you for believing that, because I have a rude awakening when you get here. What are you going to do? What did he do for that problem? He died for it. He can forgive you for it. He applies his righteousness to you when you trust him. That's a provision there that is no longer, I, I'm no longer troubled about dying. I'm no longer troubled by death. Why? Because he took care of that problem. He, I'm going to now spend eternity in the heavenly places. So what do I do? I come over here and I begin to read and I study. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 is at the very end of a great passage about our, our rapture. We call it the rapture, our redemption, our day of redemption, our gathering together. When he takes the body of Christ and finally gets us all home together in one place. And he says, hey, there's great comfort in that, knowing that your future is not just the grave. It's not just throwing dirt in your face. There's a future there of spectacular glory that's coming our way. But keep reading. It gets better. 
For, the, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth, notice, by Christ. Notice the, his consolation, his peace, his provisions aren't in what he's doing. It's where? It's in who he is. It's by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, now watch, it is for your consolation and salvation. So what Paul's going to say here is, is when you're in trouble, don't run to human viewpoint. Don't run to the philosophy of the world. Run to me. Come here to where I'm at because I've been through this and I'm your pattern in how to get through this. Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual. I love that, effectual. It works. It has an effect in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. And you look at verse 7 and you go, man, Paul, what are you, nuts? Paul says you're looking to suffer. You're looking for consolation. You're looking for it. Why? Because where is the answer? It's in Christ. It's the peace of God that keepeth our hearts and minds. Philippians 4. That's, boy, that's great peace. That's great comfort. By the way, verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength and so much that we despaired even of life. Life's not going too good right now for Paul as he recounts this event. So just as you think, well, Paul never faced death, he faced death at every turn. He's got a plot to murder him. The Jews go out and get the, the gangsters, the mob after him, the lewd men of the base resorts. They come up, they're trying to kill Paul. That didn't work. So they go to the government. They're trying to get the government on him. And finally, eventually, that did. Again, verse 8, <laughs> I would, for we would not, brethren, have you, what? Ignorant of our trouble. You're to take Paul's troubles and see his, his, by the way, that's Acts 19, Acts 20. That's where we're at in the Acts, in the book of Acts. You go in there and you look in Acts 19 and you look in Acts 20 and you see what he's up against opposition-wise. And we're to take that. And you know what happens? He comes over here and he says, that was nothing compared to who I am in Christ. That's nothing compared to what Christ did for me at Calvary. That's nothing in what he's done for me. He's blessed me with all spiritual blessings. He has made me complete in him. He's done all of this. Come on over to, uh, well, to chapter 2. This isn't on there, but chapter 2. I just want you to see this. Look at here if verse number 13. Watch Paul. I, Paul, had no rest in my spirit. Because I found not Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. So Paul's got, he's got a little trouble. He's got a little stuff going on. We would call this depression in our modern day lingo. Paul's down in the dumps. There's no rest in my spirit. Things are happening. He, ministry's moving. He's got an open door. He's to go down there and to preach. But he knows that if I go down there and preach, my mind is somewhere else. It's not on what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm going to go look for Titus. Now come over to chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. Just see this because we get here. 
we get to this place sometimes where we just, our minds just begin to run, and it's almost like we can't stop it. By the way, have you left two yet? Ah, go back to chapter two. I know you have. I know, it's way gone. Rip the page out of the book. It's over. Second Corinthians two, back, go back to two. Look at verse 14, just so you see the victory. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in who? Christ. And make manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Where's my victory? It's in Christ. Now, chapter 7, verse 5. Chapter 7, verse 5. From when we were coming to Macedonia, all right? 2.13, where was he going? He's going to Macedonia. Between 2.13 and 7.5, doctrinally, he tells you why he triumphs in Christ. But watch this. He came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without, we're fighting. Within, we're what? Hey, man, the emotions have taken over. They are running the show. The external circumstances that Paul was facing has caused him to quit thinking properly and to come over here and start operating based on fear. Without, we're fighting. The circumstances, so. Within, are fears. He's, he's up one minute, down the next. He's on a roller coaster. He's not even keeled. But now watch what happens. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down. See, he's cast down. But here comes the God of comfort. Now watch what the God of comfort does. He opened the sky and rained down blessings for all of us. Oh, he didn't do that. Okay, he he. He opened up the treasures and gave us a blessing. He didn't say that, does it? What does he say? He says he comforted us by the coming of Titus. Where did the comfort come from? Not God raining down a blessing, a prayer blessing. Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. A knock on the door and it'll open. You know, God shuts one door, opens another. No, that's not how he works today. How did he comfort Paul? Who showed up? Titus did. Another brother in Christ shows up and gives a good report. And now, wait a minute. Remember in chapter 2, who was he worried about? Titus. Titus walks in the door there at the local church and hugs him and says, hey, here's a good report. Everything's good. Here's the collect. We had a great time of, and Paul's got comfort. You see, God doesn't come over here and wiggle jiggle and add a mini mani mo and boom. He just says, no, we have another brother come. And the comfort for Paul Come over to Colossians chapter 2. The comfort comes to Paul on your way. Stop in Philippians. Philippians uh, 4. The comfort comes from Paul, for, for Paul with Titus walking in the door and everything being okay. Okay? Now thanks be to God which always causes us to, to triumph in Christ. But the comfort comes from an edification, from from being edified. If you look at Philippians 4, if you look down there at verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now watch, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. 
I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed. Notice this. He's instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Think about what we just read in 2 Corinthians. That's Acts 19, early epistles. Philippians is after Acts 28, later in the book. And what's Paul say? I've learned to be content in the situation. Why? Because he's had some edification come along and say, Paul, the circumstances of life out there don't change who you are in Christ, should not impact your thinking. You need to have some stability here, Paul. And he says, I was instructed. I've learned. I've taken in God's word. I've come along and I've, I have, I told you I was going to run out of space. I have my foundation secure in who I am in Christ. And that foundation is secure and no one's going to move me. And I'm going to get my comfort from that. You follow that? Tremendous. Now come to Colossians 2. Because in Colossians 2, we talk about edifying. Edifying one another. By the way, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he's got comfort in it and edifying one another. When you do what? When you come together in the local assembly. There's to be a, the local assembly, one of the functions of the local assembly is a place of comfort. It's a place of bearing one another's burdens. In Romans 12, he tells, the Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. You can't do that on your own. It only can be done in the local assembly when you come together. And when you come together, yeah, you can comfort yourself on a, on a basis from the Scriptures, but man, when you come together and you've got the Scripture basis and then you begin to comfort each other because maybe you've been there where they're going. Maybe you've lost or maybe you've experienced hardship that now you begin to see someone else in the local assembly do it and you just say, hey, I've been there, done that. Here's the T-shirt. Here's the scars. Here's now I need, let me, can I help you? Can I, can I give you some verses that I use? By the way, don't give them a self-help book. Give them the verses. Nothing wrong with books. I got a bunch of them. I mean, I got three locations full of books. The problem with the self-help book is it focuses in here on emotions. Not in your thinking process and how to process down through it. I told you, when we talked about love one another, we're not talking about being emotionalist robots. We're talking about having a warm attitude, a warm heartfelt relationship, but doing it from the way God thinks, which is how do you value and esteem them. Do it from that vantage point. Colossians 2, let's talk about edifying. Because if you're going to get comfort, you better know the scriptures or know where to get them, or know where to get the help that you need. Paul was looking for Titus. He finally found Titus. Titus finally shows up. But then Paul used that situation to learn to be what? Content. Learn to abound. Learn to have a little contentment with godliness eventually. Colossians 2, verse number 6, Paul says, As ye have therefore received the Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? You did that by faith. So now how am I going to be walking? By faith. Okay? 
rooted and grounded, verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Built up where? In him, in Christ. Get Christ in that foundation. Stick it in there. Stick, stick it. Stick him in there. Build that foundation. We're just talking about enclosing the carport over here and making another room on the house. And uh, I was talking to the contractor, and he says, you know, the foundations don't match, so you're going to have a step down. Well, guess what? In your inner man, you know what you better have? You better have Christ be the big step and human viewpoint be the little step. Have him be in there, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. There we go. When, you come to, when we come together, look back with me at Romans 14. Romans 14. And we're going to fly. We're going to get going here. Romans 14. You look down at verse number 9. Romans. No, that's not the right verse. How about uh, 19? Romans 4.19. How about that verse? That'll be a better verse. I think it'll be a better verse. Well, Romans 14, 9 is a good verse, but let's do 14, 19. First mistake I've made this morning. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may, what? Edify another. What are we seeking for? We're seeking for peace. How do we have peace amongst ourselves? Well, it starts with that edification. Chapter 15, verse 2. By the way, the context of Romans 14 is that weaker brother. We looked at that, stronger brother. 15.2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to, what? Edification. Notice it's, we don't please our neighbor so that they win the battle or win the argument. It's to do what with them? It's to edify them. It's to begin to build something in them. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And that issue of building an edifice, an edification, if you look here at 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 19, there's going to be an edifice, there's going to be a, a structure that we are to build within us. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 19, Paul says, again, think ye that we excuse yourselves, ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. Now, he just said that after saying verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Woo, I got you. How did he get him, by the way? Calvary. He goes, I didn't come in there and charge you to take care of me. I went in there and by love, charity, proper motivation, grace motivation. And then he says, verse 19, I did everything for your edifying. I wanted to build a structure in you. And you go to Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 11 and 12, and he says, I want to build into your inner man a mutual faith. And then in chapter 16 of Romans, look over there at Romans 16. He says, verse 25, Now to him is the power to establish you according to my gospel. And he says, I'm going to build now in you my gospel. And according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, um, 
according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And I'm going to build into you some, some scriptures of the prophets, and, some, and I'm going to build an edifice in you. And I'm going to lay in this foundation that's Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. And you're going to build on that. And you need to take heed how you build. You need to take heed what you put into this thinking pattern and what begins to come into your inner man. You need to take heed on that. You need to pay attention. You're going to let human viewpoint in. That's natural. You know why you know, I know that? Listen to the news. We listened to the news last night. Linda and I did. And in the first five minutes, there was four shootings and eight killings and ten, and ten other things. Really good way to go, people, Woo-hoo. for humanity. So what is that? That's just humanity. And you go, you get depressed real quick, don't you? But you know what? Christ died for every one of those situations. So when you think about this issue of edification, we're building an edifice here on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we're doing it through, Paul says, my gospel, and through the issues of grace. And then he comes over and he says, here's here's God's grace, Romans, lays it in. Here's God's gold, the book of Ephesians, lays it out for you. Here's the goal. What is God doing today? Why is he doing the church, the body of Christ? It isn't to replace Israel. It's to come in here and have an agency that will fill up the heavenly places and the structures out there in the heavenly government. And Ephesians lays that in for you. Then he comes in and he says, okay, you want to see the glory of this? You want to see how all this works? Here's 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And here's the glory plan of all of it, how what he's going to do with Israel is accomplished and done and what he's doing with you and I and how it's going to work. 1 Thessalonians, every chapter deals with the rapture, a component of it, a piece Piece of the event we call the rapture. Here it is. Boom. Now you don't, now, man, now, could you imagine going through life with an understanding of every component of, of the rapture and that being the first thing that hits your mind rather than, woe is me, here it comes again. It's May again. No, it's April again. Wrong month. It's April again. See? No, man, get your head out of the bushes and let's go. Here it is. Here's who you are. Come over to Ephesians 1. By the way, the glory, then he caps it off with the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy, 1st Titus and Philemon, and he says, here's what godliness looks like. You don't get to godliness, here's godliness, until godlikeness, until you've been where? Through Romans, through Thessalonians. By the way, Corinthians and Galatians are book of reproof and correction on the issues of grace. Colossians and Philippians are books of correction and reproof on the basis of the goal and what he's doing. Thessalonians, there are no books of correction or reproof after that because you're perfect in heaven. With the, you're in the presence of, of the Father when it's all said and done. Titus and Timothy and Philemon come in and say, now while you're waiting for all of that to come to a reality in your experience, here's what you're going to do in that local assembly. And that local assembly is going to be where godliness will shine out in a grander manner in a, in a local community. You have godliness in your family, but that only shines a little bit. It's in your realm. But man, when you come together into a community and whoom, the, 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 the uh, wattage goes up, tenfold because of the families follow that it's tremendously important for the local assembly to be there 
We're to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. How do we do that? We do it on, our, on our an individual basis, but man, we do it grander when we all come together in a local assembly and we do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 1. You see, folks, ed- comfort comes from ed- being edified, and it comes from an understanding of, well, 1 8. Ephesians 1, verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in what? How much wisdom? All of it. And prudence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good purpose, which he hath purposed in himself. What does Paul say? All of it's been made known. Now look down at verse 16. Paul says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being what? You see that issue about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? That's what the edification is designed to produce in your life. As you build in on your foundation... You're to be building in the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. And when you're building that in, then you know what happens? The human viewpoint does show up. It just gets a little smaller. Because what's, what's running my thought process? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The edification that I have in my inner man. So Paul says, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he comes in in 1 Timothy and he talks about the local assembly. The structure of the local assembly, the roles that are to be played by the men of the local assembly and by the women of the local assembly, there are roles, and he begins to lay them out. He begins to put them forth because the local assembly is the vehicle that does the work of the ministry. And I know you got Facebook and YouTube and all that, but that's not local church. That's Bible study. By the way, Bible study doesn't make church. Now, we study the Bible at church, but church is this organized event here, this organized effort. How did you know to come today at 11? How did you know there's going to be a baby shower following the morning services? How did Organization, organized, itineraries, bulletins, announcements, bam, we know. How did that happen? Just because we wanted to do something today? No, because we have a structure. 1 Timothy 1, look at verse 3. As I, bestought, as I, Paul, besought thee, that's Timothy, to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach, watch, no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogy, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Do you see that issue there about other doctrine and the issue of They're not godly edifying. Verse 10. For at the end of the list here, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. That word sound is is a word that means life-giving. It's healthy. I was at the doctor a couple months ago having blood work done first of the year and physical and all that. And with the loss of weight and everything, we were monitoring a couple items, you know, A1C and all that good stuff because I was close and now we're down and all that, blah, blah, blah. And he says, you are on a sound footing now. 
to now add back and do some other things. So healthy. I wasn't before. I crawled in there a couple years ago, and he's like, dude, if you don't stop, you're going to be dead. And I'm like, I know that. Everybody dies. He goes, no, you're going to be dead quicker than you think. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thumbs up, you know. Sound doctrine, life-giving doctrine. Come over to 2 Timothy. By the way, 1 Timothy 6 is on the way to 2 Timothy. Thus we do it this way. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, and that's going to be the sound doctrine, chapter 1, verse 3, and consent not to wholesome words. Don't we have a store called Whole Foods? Wholesome, healthy, life-giving? Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ into the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, and doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil disputings, perverse, I'm sorry, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Understand, taking the edification and putting it into the details of life, taking that edification and, and having your heart and your will decide this is what we're going to do. Tells your body, go do this. Your conscience says, you're doing it. Good job. Or, or you slip up and your conscience says, no, you're not. Get back over here. Come over here. You know, running around like a, with the, you know, it's like herding cats. Get over here, you know. Boom. And, what a, and all of a sudden, the next thing is you have contentment with what? With godliness. And that's great gain. 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, look at verse 13. Watch Paul here. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is, you see that form of sound words? You know what you do with the form? You set the pattern down, don't you? We're going to form out the back of the house, and we're going to pour in the concrete. But the concrete's going to take the shape of what? The form. You take the form, the pattern of what? Sound words, sound doctrine. By the way, 2-2, what are you going to do? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to do what? Teach others also. There's a teaching aspect to it. By the way, 2 Timothy is the church in chaos. It's the church in ruin. 1 Timothy is the local church in rule and, and running the show. 2 Timothy, the, that local church has gone off into apostasy. They've left Paul. That's what happens in chapter 1. Then in chapter 2, they're leaving the doctrine. Chapter 3, look down here at 3. Look down at verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecution, and on and on he goes. Verse 13, but evil men and de deceivers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But, okay, oh my goodness, it's all, you know, chicken little, sky's falling. But what, look, at the look at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been, what, assured of, comforted with knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Man, when it looks like the sky is falling and the circumstances of life are out over here and they're bad news, the Word of God says, I got you covered. Human viewpoint says, take a little drink. There's a little happy pill. That's what they say, folks. 
Oh, I think you need that new car. I think you need that new motorcycle. Boom, boom. I've seen a couple lately, you know. It's like, ooh. Hey, gas prices, honey, are really high. I think a new Harley is right in the ballpark. And, you know, after my accident, I've been forbidden, you know, and uh, threatened with death. And Anyway, what, what is how I think you sh- you've had a rough day today. I think a little Dairy Queen is in order. I think a little Jamba Bucks or Bahama Bucks or Jamba Juice. And what do we do? We quickly just kind of begin to justify human viewpoint. That's what they're doing. Let you off the hook, man. Now, there's nothing wrong with Dairy Queen unless you da- can't handle the dairy, <laughs> you know. There's nothing wrong with some of that. But that becomes the crutch. Come with me to Ephesians 4. Well, Titus 2, Titus 1, just so you read these. Holding fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gains. Faithful words, sound words. Chapter 2, verse 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. What does grace teach us? If you look down at verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Man, the grace of God is going to teach us something. That, denying. Do you know what what it is to deny something? It's to stop it. It's to say no more. No more, Dairy Queen. No more. It's to deny yourself of that. It's to come in and say, no, I'm not having that. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Again, I'm not saying Dairy Queen's worldly lust. I had to, de- I had to stop that on my, on my diet. I, had to, I, was, I'm, I can't eat dairy. I can't have anything with the, in the dairy family. Sends me right over the board. And, you know, and that's a major bummer when you like sour cream and cheese and you know, little Dairy Queens. And I had a Dairy Queen, spl- I tell myself, the other night, you know, the little minis. Four dollars, four and a half dollars for a little mini thing. I'm like, what happened here? You know, I can remember when they were a buck something. You know, and you know what? By the time I got home, we're down by Michael and Kaylee's. Bible study's over. We didn't go to the other place we go to. We went over here, and you know what happened? I, man, I was pained like, and I'm a little dude. I'm like, oh man, can't even have the custard stuff anymore. You know. We're in the store the other day, and we found this gluten-free, dairy-free, fat-free ice cream? Linda goes, what do you think? I go, I don't think so. I think that just stays right on the shelf. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, can I put caramel on it? Can I just <laughs> chocolate sauce, you know? Anyway, what is, what is grace teaching us? We're to stop something, aren't we? We're to deny. How do I get there? I do it by edification. I do it by building into my Come over to, to Ephesians 4. I do it by building into my inner man a structure, an edifice, a way of thinking, a way of looking at the circumstances that come up in life and saying, you know what, I can, you know, I can react the way my flesh wants me to react. I can react the way human viewpoint says. And human viewpoint says, do it under them before they do it to you. And I can nail them and I can go at them and I can forget about the forbearing and forgiving and I can just nail the guy. Or I can come along there and judge him and forget the admonishment stuff. I just judge them right into it. And what happens? Misery. Turmoil. 
And that issue of edification goes right out the window. Or I can turn and I can say, you know what I can do here? I can be who I am in Christ. I can esteem them. I can love them. Yeah, I have a judgment about them. I have a way of thinking about them. But you know what? I'll think about them not as an enemy, but as a brother. And I'll admonish them that way. And I'll forgive them. I'll give up the right to be wronged. Because that's what God did for me. And I see that and I understand that and I can do that. And I can come over here and I can get great comfort from understanding that. In my own life. And that comes from being edified. Ephesians 4.14, Paul at the end of this great passage here, he says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I can choose not to be tossed to and fro. I can come in and I can get edified. And again, it, the edification process in the local church and that low, and the coming together, because I'll tell you what, you come together enough and you get to rubbing up on each other and you know what's quickly going to happen? You're going to quickly have to esteem that other brother or sister in Christ better than yourself. You're going to quickly have to have a little forgiveness because maybe they're not doing it the way you think it ought to be done. You, you know, the easiest way to do something is to just do it yourself, but not in a local assembly. See, We were up here yesterday, the ladies were working and cleaning the building, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I'd have cleaned it a whole lot different. I didn't really say this. You know, I'm, this is an illustration, okay? All right? I could really do this a lot better than they did. You know what I did? I sat there and I said, I'm glad they're doing it because I didn't have to do it. And then I made Phil feel really guilty. No, just kidding. I didn't. See, you, can have, you have to have a thought process for even here. It comes from what? Being not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. The goal of edification is to get you to the end of that verse. We're to be a helper of your joy so that you can by faith do what? Stand. That's the goal of edification. That's the goal of the whole process. That's the goal of the local assembly. We're to learn what grace teaches us. We're to take that and we're to put it into the details of our life so that we can stand over here in, in, in our marriages, in our family, in our work, in, in our single life. But guess what? Single folks have families and single and family, and you got work. You, you're not too far. And you know what I can do? I can come into the local assembly and I can stand there. And I can recognize my weaknesses, and I can recognize my problems, but I can recognize them as mine that Christ took care of and that Christ paid for them. Last verse, Philippians 3. Well, not last verse, but anyway. <laughs> Philippians 3. And Paul says, you know what? That's where I'm, my goal is. My goal is to get you to standing on your own two feet. Not to, not to not want me or to be here or be a part of us, but to say, you know what? I want to be a part of it. I want to be there. I want, I need more. Why? Because I'm standing. I'm not tossed to and fro. I know where the doctrine is. I know where the information is that's got to be here for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids if the Lord tarries. It's got to be here. And the only person that can do it right now is us. It's me and you 
and we sit here and we say, this is where we're at. When we looked at this place to purchase it, Don Anderson, he's home with the Lord. He looked at me and he says, Rick, can this be Southwest Bible Fellowship's home? And I said, for the next few years, sure. But if we grow, we'll have to move. He goes, well, let's just hope, let's pray that the Lord, and we grow, and we move. That's the thinking he had. That's the thinking we should have. Hey, this is home. It's here we are. And if we decide that, hey, maybe we need to move down the road a little bit, then guess what? We move down the road. See, why? It's together. Philippians 3, verse 15, Paul says, the, the wonderful passage here on, on maturity. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. That word perfect, mature. It doesn't mean perfect and that you never mess up because they're terrified by their adversaries. They're in a mess emotionally. He says, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. What are we doing here? We've come to a point where what do we understand? We understand what our edification. We're here on our edification. Now there's more to get, but we're here. Let's keep what we got and let's move forward as, as we study and as we learn. Now watch verse 17. Brethren, be followers, notice, together of me. And mark them, isn't that interesting, which walk so as you have us for an ensample. Notice he doesn't say mark me. He says mark them together. Local church. You need to make sure you're going to the right church. By the way, you are. If you're here, you are. Okay, I'll just tell you that. You see, you, if you're down at the wrong church, then you're in verse 18 and 19. You're in something else. You need to be over here. See, that be followers together of who? Of me. Who's following the Apostle Paul? Why? That's where the edification is. That's where the comfort is. That's where everything else sits and resides. And is. So our comfort comes from an understanding, a clear understanding of the Word of God rightly divided so that we can have a firm foundation. We sang the song this morning. So we can have a firm foundation in our inner, in our inner man so that as we walk toward one another, and no matter what situation in life is, we're doing it out of walking worthy of the Lord and well-pleasing to Him. In Colossians 3.15, Paul says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. That's the goal. The goal is to get you to some maturity. The goal is to get you to some stand, Colossians 3.15. The goal is to get you there. The goal is to have you in your life have the peace of God ruling in your hearts. Rule. That means he's in charge. 
that means I've come in and I've taken my human viewpoint and I've made it the littlest part I can and I've taken in the word of God and I'm learning and when I struggle and when I fall on my face, I don't go run over to 1 John 1, 9 and make a babbling mess of it. I sit there and I say, okay, why did I get there? What's going on? Lord, I need some verses and here are the verses and you come to the local church and you say, I need some help and we sit and we go over the word and we get you some help. And then what happens? The next time this comes up, you don't fall on your face. You're not mumbling something you shouldn't be mumbling. Instead, you say, here's the verse that helped me. And then as you're looking around the room, you say, you know what? They're going there. They're going down the same route. I'm at it. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Save yourself. Come here. Come on. And you say, here are the verses. Because the scripture we started sits where? Outside of you. It's that objective standard that never changes. And that's where it is. Because you know what? You change. I change. I wasn't so enthusiastic and passionate as I used to be. I'm even more now, some would say. But the thing is, is the Scripture doesn't change. It's right there. And that's the standard. So the comfort of one another comes from being edified by one another. And that comes in a setting of the local assembly. And that's critical, and that's crucial. And it's all, it's all settled and situated in the cross of Calvary. I know it's Easter. I know it's April. We'll talk about Easter and all that next time, next couple weeks. I get that on the religious calendar. But man, we, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord every day. Because in him and him alone is where my faith, your faith ought to be residing. And if it isn't, you need to get it there. Because just as we try to help you understand this, none of this will help unless you're in him. And you're secure in him. And the only way to do that is by faith. In the privacy of your own heart. Faith is not an outward expression of anything. Faith is a private matter between you and God. And you don't have to pray a prayer. Actually, if you do, you're in trouble because you then reside in the prayer to get you saved. And what saved you? His death, burial, and resurrection did. You just got to trust him. Trust his word on the matter. Don't trust mine. Trust his word. He says, you come short of my glory. You come short of my righteousness. You need my righteousness to get into my heaven. And you come short but I got a way for you to become perfect in righteousness. I got a way for you to get into my heaven, God says. And it's through the man, Christ Jesus. He's the mediator. And what did he do? He died for you. He was buried, and he rose again. And the resurrection, he rose, he, he, uh, rose for our justification. It's painful. And then he looks at you and he says, you know what I require of you? Absolutely nothing but your faith. I want your heart. Just trust me. And the moment you do that, you pass from death to life. You pass from going to hell in the lake of fire to eternity in the heavenly places with him. And then you get in and you start studying and you put it in and it all revolves around Calvary and him and his activity. Boy, what a place to be. 
One time I was talking to my dad. We had some trouble going on in my life and in the life of our family at the moment and so forth. And he said, just take it all back to Calvary because that's where the answer is. And that's what we do. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, we thank you for who we are in your son. In your name we pray, amen. All right, before.